As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The New England Revolution got an interesting reward for winning the MLS Supporters' Shield and setting the points record. 23 days without a game. Tonight, they take on New York City FC in the MLS playoffs with a historic season on the line, and Sam Stasekul is here to break down what to watch for. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, November 30th. Sam Stasekul, at long last, the final MLS conference semifinal is happening today. It feels like it's taken forever to get to this point. New York City FC traveling to take on the New England Revolution. Uh, NYC FC has had a fine season overall, and I'll ask a bit about them later, but I want to focus the first part of this on the Revolution, who have had just a fantastic season in a way that feels very unlike MLS 3.0 or 4.0 or whatever version of MLS we're at at this point. You wrote a story about this and sort of how they managed to change, and you started the sort of narrative of the story in 2019. What was the state of the Revs at that time? Uh, can I curse on this podcast, Alex? No, I'm kidding. It was absolutely. A, it was a shit show, uh, to quote Bruce <laughs> Arena, uh, who came in in May of 2019 and inherited a team that was a mess. Uh, I was living in Boston at the time, and I was fortunate enough to be kind of around that team at that point in time. There, there were so many bad results and losses. And, you know, I remember covering a game at Gillette Stadium midweek against Montreal, then known as the Impact, rest in peace. And yeah. Montreal had had issues getting out of Canada. They had had issues traveling down. Their flight got canceled, delayed, delayed, delayed. They were sitting in the airport for like 10 hours. Eventually, These were not COVID issues, by the way. These, this, was these were pre, 2019 this was pre-COVID. <laughs> pre-COVID. Yeah. And, and they eventually, they, they were supposed to leave the day before the game. They ended up leaving like, like six hours before kickoff was when their flight took off. They didn't get to the team hotel, which is located basically at Gillette Stadium, until three and a half hours before the game began. These are not ideal circumstances. And they came out and they smashed the revs. Three nothing. This was not a particularly good impact team. 
It wasn't like they yeah. were running the league or something, but they absolutely dominated him. This came off the back of a loss at home to FC Cincinnati. You know, there, there were just bad games left and right. There was a 5 nothing defeat to Chicago, a 6-1 loss at Philly. Those were back-to-back, ended up sealing Brad Friedel's fate. And, you know, talking to Matt Turner, talking to Andrew Farrell for that story I did, just being around that team at that time, it was dire. The guys were, like, done. Like the players were completely checked out. Andrew Farrell basically was like, yeah, at halftime of that Chicago game, guys gave up. And to go from that, looking like the worst team in the league. Again, they lost at home to FC Cincinnati to a place where in 2021, they're not just winning the supporter shield, but they're setting the all-time MLS regular season points record. And they're doing so relatively comfortably, by the way. Uh, It's pretty remarkable. Well, you mentioned two players and you talked to, you know, two players for the story, uh, Matt Turner and Andrew Farrell. I think their their individual sort of progression as players is notable in the context of the larger team. Uh, where were Matt Turner and Andrew Farrell as players at the time at that time in t- 2019? Well, Matt Turner was on the bench at that time. Um, yeah. You know, he had started most of the year in 2018. And he had done pretty well. He's a goalkeeper, by the way, in case anybody yeah. hasn't been watching the U.S. national team. <laughs> he had started most of 2018. He'd done pretty well. Brad Friedel gave him his chance. And then 2019, he, he sort of lost his job. And not only did he lose his job, he was the third string goalkeeper for the reps for most of the start of that season. His actual first start of the year came in that aforementioned 5 nothing loss at Chicago. Friedel's last game in charge. And, and, right. and so he was not in a great place. You know, he was thinking... You know, and he said this to me when I spoke to him recently, he was thinking, I don't know what, what I'm doing. Like, I feel like I might need to leave. Like, is soccer going to be my thing? Like, I'm, am I going to get a chance under the new head coach? What's going on? And so obviously his progression to national team goalkeeper and sometimes starter has been remarkable. Um, And Farrell, you know, he was relatively, like he had some highs before. Right. He started an MLS Cup with the refs way back in the day, sure. in 2014. So it's not like he was coming from nothing. Um, he was playing a lot. He's played a lot every year. He's been in New England. Um, but yeah, now now part of a team and a regular starter and an important player on a team that, like I said, all time points record. Well, those uh, poor results cost uh, Brad Friedel, the manager, uh, his job. It's clearly something wasn't vibing there. But Bruce Arena comes in where, you know, Bruce Arena was not exactly uh He's he's obviously a giant figure in 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 MLS and in American soccer and a uh, hugely respected coach. But he his career was not exactly like flaming hot at the time that he, <laughs> that he came into the to the to the New England Revolution. I think no, I think pr- fair to say. probably closer to flaming out, right? You know, sure. we I think we yeah. were twenty months removed at that point from the disaster in Trinidad and Tobago, where the U.S. national team did not qualify for the World Cup under Bruce Arena's watch. That wasn't all his fault, of course. Jurgen Klinsmann has his share of the blame and Bruce came in late, late in the heck or not late in the hex, but you know, after a couple of hexagonal games and couldn't get it over the line, but his nature, his no apologies, no regrets. I did everything. I did a great job with the USMNT that didn't exactly rub people the right way. Um, and he said all of those things and he doubled down on them when he was introduced as reps head coach. And people were like, your last year at the galaxy wasn't all that great. Like MLS has changed a lot. Are you the right guy? to lead a rebuild, right? Because that's what it looked like. It looked like this was going to have to be a teardown and a rebuild. And we're looking at multiple seasons before the Revs are even like decently competitive. And there were real questions. He answered all of those resoundingly. 
like the revs didn't lose a game. It felt like for like three months after the firing <laughs> and hiring of right. Romino, which is incredible. Uh, they made the playoffs with a game to spare in 2019. Um, and, and for me, and this is all just kind of about empowerment, right? Under Friedel, players walked around on eggshells. They would have to do sprints if they lost a game. They were getting yanked in and out of the lineup. No one had a real good idea, a real good sense of how they wanted to play. Uh, the real defining feature of that regime was, hey, if you mess up, you're gone, right? Like you're out. And, and everyone was playing with fear. And Arena came in, and there's some fear with Bruce, I think, with players, right? But there's also honesty and directness and a straightforwardness that I think players really appreciate. Hey, you do X, Y, Z, you're going to play. If not, someone else is going to come and take your spot, right? But I'm also going to empower you. I'm going to give you freedom to do your thing, express yourself. Uh, and they've taken that and they've, they've run with it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to read a couple uh, statistics and, and, and number type things having to do with their season in 2021. Goals scored 65. That's the most in the league. Goals allowed 41. That's not the least in the league, but it's in the top 10. Uh, they never went more than three games without winning. They never lost twice in a row. They never drew twice in a row. They had <laughs> one three-game stretch where they had a loss sandwiched by two draws. Um, that's an insane thing to do over the course of a full season. How have they managed to put this together with what is largely, Sam, the same roster that Bruce Arena inherited? There are some yeah. key additions, but... By and large, this is more or less the same group uh, that he came in with. I think basically six of their regular starters were on that team in May 2019. Um, now, you, you mentioned there have been some key, key additions. Gustavo Bo, he came in, I think, six weeks after Arena did back in 2019. Okay. Um, Adam Buxa, their leading goal scorer this year, he came in in the, in the offseason after 2019, head of the 2020 season, the Polish striker. Um, but yeah, like you said, mostly it's been growth from individuals who were already on the roster, guys like Turner, guys like Tejan Buchanan, who was a rookie in 2019, um, guys like Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai, who were in their first and second years, respectively, in 2019, really growing into legitimate MLS pros. And in the case of Buchanan, somebody who's going to a Champions League club for $7 million in January. It's <laughs> um, pretty good. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Big, pretty pretty good. good growth there. Um, yeah. Carly's heel turns out is good at soccer. Um, and Brad Friedel does deserve some credit here, right? Like he signed Carly Seal. Um, he's actually working for the company that represents Carly Seal now, as a matter of fact. Um, but he brought him, you know, and he drafted Tejan Buchanan and Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai and gave Matt Turner his chance. So, so he had an eye for talent, right? He just couldn't get it to where it needed to be on the field. Um, but yeah, so it's mostly been growth and there have been some real kind of domestic acquisitions, 
right? So Matt Polster formerly played for the fire. He went over to Rangers in Scotland for, for a year and a half or so. They signed him. He's been great for them this year. Tommy McNamara, kind of an MLS journeyman midfielder, somewhat of a cult hero. Everyone loved his, his old flowing hair um, and technical ability. He's been really solid for them. Um, you know, Andrew Farrell, we already mentioned Henry Kessler drafted by Bruce Sermina turned into a solid starting center back. Um, so you go up and down the roster. I think it's 20 of 27 guys on their team were acquired from some sort of domestic source, right? We're either American or Canadian and signed or brought in from another team already in MLS or already in the USL MLS ecosystem. And that's remarkable. That's not something that really happens in MLS. And that's something that Bruce Arena has been really, really good at throughout his entire career, right? Even going back to the Galaxy days, you know, their biggest stars, guys like Robbie Keane, David Beckham, obviously not American, right? Obviously not coming from another MLS team, but you supplement them with guys who know the league, who understand it, and who can really do a job. Um, and that's what we've seen in New England. They have this, you know, to quote Matt Turner, three, three-headed dragon in heel, bow, and, and buxa as their DPs. And then the rest of the, the starting 11 is domestic. And eight of the 11, they, they played college soccer. Like, that's not, that's not a thing anymore. But, yeah, it's a throwback, <laughs> like you said off the top. Um, it's tempting – so often when teams have these historic seasons, I remember in particular when LAFC had a similar record-breaking season, what feels like a million years ago, but was actually <laughs> only two or three seasons ago. Just two. Uh, yeah, just two. Um, there is a lot of talk about what this means for the future of the league. It's, is, this a, is this the way more teams are going to be operating, which in the case of LAFC meant investing a lot in South American, Mexican, young talent, to sort of lead the way does this rev season mean anything in that sort of grander context or is this just a sort of one-off season that bruce arena and probably only only bruce arena could manage to put together um i don't think it means anything super grand in terms of oh all these other teams are going to try and copy it um but i think it just kind of furthers hammers hammer home hammers home the point that there's no one way to do this in MLS. There's no one right way. And if you look at New England, if you look at Colorado, who have done the, who finished first in the West, now eliminated from the playoffs, but did it in pretty similar fashion to the Revs in terms of a roster build style, then yeah, I think other teams will look at that and say, okay, maybe we should value MLS experience a little bit more, right? And, and maybe the sweet spot is a little bit further towards that side of the spectrum. Um, but you mentioned LAFC from a couple of years ago. Atlanta has done the same thing. Toronto has done the similar in the past. Uh, Seattle has been pretty international. Um, they've done okay too, right? So there's no one way to do it. But I think the the approach of New England, the approach of Colorado, Philly to an extent as well, uh, Nashville sort of in that boat, um, will kind of give more faith to the teams that want to do it this way, or maybe can't afford to spend a ton of money, like the, like some of those more kind of internationally focused teams uh, that, Hey, we can compete in this league and we can do a, do a good job by focusing most on the domestic product. Well, tonight they face NYCFC in what could be the last game of the season or the next step in what could further cement the season as a, as a historic one for the new England revolution uh, what's been NYCFC's story this year, Sam? And what are you looking for from this game? I think it's notable that 
the Revs' reward for their amazing regular season and breaking the points record and winning the Supporter Shield is just an absolutely massive three-week break where they yeah. play no games. Yeah, so and- <laughs> can we spend a little time here before I answer the question about NYCFC? It's crazy, yeah. right? And I yeah. don't, like, there's not really a good way to do it. There just really isn't. Like, you have the international break, so that's part of it. Um, if if you're going to have a seven-team field on both sides and someone's going to get a big buy, and that that became the Revs. And, um, on the plus side for them, Buxa wouldn't have been able to play had this game been earlier. Uh, he, he's sure. had some foot – he's had a foot injury, and it looks like he'll be able to suit up and go. So it's not all downside, but it is a little bit of a downside there. Um, in terms of NYCFC, they've been a weird team this year. The results haven't really necessarily matched the style of play. I think they're one of the better teams in the league. Um, Tati Castellanos won the the golden boot for them at striker. They have a lot of attacking talent that can't always put it together. Um, If Castellanos isn't scoring, then they've run into periods of the season where they've been in real trouble. But you look at their roster, basically over the entire 11, you look at it and you're like, yeah, this is a good, solid technical team that can do a lot of different things. Um, do they have the playoff kind of mentality? I don't know. You know, they, they, they won their first round matchup against Atlanta two nothing pretty comfortably, sure. um, scored a couple weird goals, <laughs> but, but yeah. Hey, it doesn't matter how they go in just that they go in. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think, I think they'll have the advantage of having played a game in the last like seven months, unlike new England. Um, right. and, and they have a solid squad are they going to kind of really be, be able to dive down deep and kind of like be strong? I know strong feels like a loaded word, but that's sort of what I'm getting at. Like, are they going to yeah. have that sort of playoff mindset that they haven't had in the past? I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, but I think this is going to be a really good game. And I was thinking about this earlier today. I think the winner is my favorite for MLS Cup. I was kind of thinking the same thing, especially because if NYCFC wins and things break their way and things co- or things continue to go RSL's way in the West, we'll have a Yankee Stadium MLS Cup, That's right. which means you and I can just take the subway <laughs> there, and that'd be nice. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Alex. Sam's story about the New England Revolution's turnaround is linked in our show notes, so you can read it there, along with a story that we just released yesterday by Pablo Maurer and Matt Pence about Bruce Arena's very first coaching job. He got his start in 1977 as a 24-year-old as a head coach at the University of Puget Sound, which is not now and was not then a soccer powerhouse. But his former players remember it well, and it's a great story that you should definitely check out. Again, both those are linked in the show notes. And before I get to the actual outro, congratulations are in order to Lionel Messi for winning yet another Ballon d'Or. He kind of uh, ran away with this one with 613 points. The others in the top, let's say, six or seven, Robert Lewandowski, Jorginho, Karim Benzema, N'Golo Kante, Cristiano Ronaldo finishing in sixth behind all those players. On the women's side, much-deserved Ballon d'Or for Alexia Puteas, one of my f- current favorite players. The next uh, closest to her was her FC Barcelona teammate, Jenny Hermoso, followed by Sam Kerr, Vivian Miedema, Lika Martins, and Christine Sinclair. Elsewhere in soccer today, there are a couple of Premier League games, first with Newcastle United hosting Norwich City at 2.30 p.m. That's on Peacock. Kicking off just after that at 3.15 p.m. on NBCSN, it's Leeds United versus Crystal Palace 
All those times are Eastern. There are also some Serie A games. Atalanta is fresh off a win over Juventus at the weekend, and they host Venezia at 12.30 p.m. Juventus is going to try to get on track after that loss by facing Serie A's bottom side, Salernitana, at 2.45 p.m. Both of those are on Paramount+. Plus. There's also Women's World Cup qualifying in UEFA, but only two games are on U.S. TV. England take on Latvia at 2 p.m., but that shouldn't be all that competitive. If you're looking for just a straight-up competitive game, a far better option is likely going to be Denmark versus Russia. That's at noon. Those teams are tied at points at the top of their qualifying group, and just like in the men's version, the only the top team qualifies directly to the World Cup, and the second-place team has to go through a playoff, which, as we saw in the draw for those playoffs on the men's side, can be kind of brutal. Both of those games are on Paramount+. Plus. Thanks for listening to Soccer Every Day. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening. Happy soccer to you all.